0: Good. I'm a little bit annoyed that Lyndon removed the jelly beans. They would have been a perfect mid-sermon snack, but it's okay. The Lord will sustain me as we go through the sermon. Church, it's great to be with you this morning. It's great to be amongst you. It's great to be with you as we dive into our third part of our psalm series. For those of you who don't know me, my name is James. I'm a member of St. John's, since the very beginning as well, since online. So it's wonderful to be with those of you who I have known since the very beginning, meeting on Zoom, and those of you who I'm meeting for the very first time in person. So it's fantastic that we're all together this morning in church. So this morning I will be reading from Psalm 122. So I would love you to read along with me, whether you've got a Bible, on your phone, in your hands, on the screen, just read along with me, and let's open the word of the Lord together. Psalm 122. (laughs) From verse one, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls, and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your good. Amen, church. Amen. A few weeks ago, I met up with a friend and fellow dad who I met when Becky and I took the antenatal class together before Levi arrived, when we still took sleep for granted. And kind of over the night as we're talking and kind of catching up and getting up and kind of learning about our own struggles with parenthood, he said that he and his partner had been having a discussion about a question. And knowing my faith and my religion, he then posed the question to me, curious to know my thoughts. And the question was this, who has life harder, religious or non-religious people? And as I sat there, telling him that's a fantastic question multiple times to stall so I could think <laughs> of, an, of an answer and kind of taking a couple of sips. I eventually kind of said that, well, everyone has moments in life that are hard and easy, and we, no one gets through life without entering seasons that are a struggle. But then I said, after I'd finally thought of a decent answer, I said, but Christians when they go through those hard times, they can take hope that there is an eternity afterwards with Jesus. And when we are going through those times, we can take hope that we have people around us, praying for us, supporting us, lifting us up to the Lord and comforting us. And I think that, that community of believers is what sets Christians apart. It doesn't make our lives easier, but it enables us to go through those hard times with a little bit of more support. And this morning, as much as I didn't want the worship to end, I think it really shows that we are a fellowship of believers who come alongside one another, who support one another. And I think with that, we can resonate with David, when he writes this psalm, he says, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are in your gates, Jerusalem. And if I was to kind of contextualize that, it would say, I am excited to go to church because those around me have said, hey, are you coming to St. John's this morning? And I wonder Were we waking up this morning, checking the time, enjoying your lines, for those of you who don't have young children, and going, it's Sunday. I'm excited to go to the house of the Lord. I have rejoiced because those in my life around me have said, let us go. And here David is preaching, not out of his own circumstances, because they were not always fantastic, but he was writing this song for the people of israel to take joy in in the future when they would have that temple and they would say we can go to the house of the lord and i wonder how did you enter this building were you rejoicing and smiling as the welcome team greeted you were you stressing and flustered because you were stuck in traffic and you were late to leave the house and the kids were just not stopping arguing and trying not to snap because you can't snap on a Sunday. And we can go to the house of the Lord. What was your mindset like this morning? Because if you put your faith in Jesus and you choose to believe in him, you can still yourself and you can enter his presence and you can say, I rejoice. But David didn't have the house of the lord in his time in fact his son solomon was the one that built the temple of israel and that's a story you can read about in chronicles 1 and chronicles 2 david's journey through that but again this psalm is a psalm for the people of god to look into and sing out and declare that joy into their lives and jerusalem it says in verse three to five, was built like a city, closely compacted together, and this is the part when I focus on where all the tribes of the Lord go up to praise His name, and there stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Now we know even today, Jerusalem is a cosmopolitan city. There are people of all races, all tribes, all creeds of religion in Jerusalem. It is compacted together, but here. David is saying that no matter our differences of appearance, our tribal backgrounds, everyone can go into the house of the Lord and they can worship the living God. And we know from those of you who were here a few weeks ago when Linda closed out our judges series, the tribes of Israel did not always get along and people even today do not always get along. But no one is excluded from going into the house of the Lord and encountering the living God. And often in our lives, we can encounter those around us who begin to express faith, but then almost twist it and say they don't want to do church. And actually, I was talking to a couple of co-workers recently, and one of them said, I will pray when I want to pray. That's it. I don't do church. Those were his words. I don't do church. And then I spoke to another co-worker who in preparation for their marriage was going through kind of some kind of confirmations of the church. They were kind of attending to then get married there. And I said, oh, you know, will you continue going after you get married? And they went, no. I don't want to do that. And and these co-workers around me who were kind of dipping in to Christianity, to kind of selfishly pull out. Well then in the next breath going, but I don't want to do that church thing. And it's such a shame and it broke my heart having these conversations with my coworkers because they were so close to kind of encountering that joy that comes with coming and gathering on a Sunday morning and being part of that corporate worship. And yet they say that, I I like Jesus, but I don't like those. It's the people I don't like. And I think they miss the point of what it means to be followers of Jesus. Because there will be times when we get on each other's nerves. There will be times when we've upset one another. But our response shows our hearts. Do we seek reconciliation and you know you know what i'm upset but i'm going to pursue god i'm not going to stop going on sundays i'm going to continue meeting with those around me and worship the living god or are we going to do as my co-workers have done and and be selfish and not join the believers i rejoiced with those who said to me let us go to the house of the Lord. There is purpose in meeting here together, St. John's, in praying together, in worshipping together, in rejoicing together. And oftentimes there are times when we don't feel thankful, when our eyesight looks at our problems and it feels like an insurmountable problem that we will never overcome. Or there are times when we just, let's be honest, really don't want to The weather's nice or i've got a long list of things to do the football's on i i just i don't have the energy to go and sit for three hours and sacrifice my time but we choose to come to church as many sundays as we can to meet with one another to encourage one another, and to focus our eyes on the living God. Sometimes it is a joy to come to church this morning, and kind of everything is aligned, the traffic lights are all green, the children aren't arguing, the weather's nice. It's a joy to walk through those doors. But other times it is hard. But we can take joy In knowing that when we walk through those doors, we are met with those around us who will pray for us, walk alongside us, and as Mike famously says, will do life together with us, supporting us through the good times and the bad. And I think Paul can really summarize church life nicely in one verse, Romans 12, 15, and he writes, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And it's really easy to rejoice with others when everything in your life is also going well. But it's not as easy to rejoice when you are mourning a situation in your own life. And likewise, it's easy or it comes more naturally to come alongside someone mourning and mourn with them when you've experienced your own experiences you can draw upon. But can we mourn with those who mourn when we're feeling amazing? Can we come alongside one another and support each other through those times? And even in times of grief, how do we respond? How do you respond? Do you isolate yourself and go, I'm not going to do church anymore like my coworkers I spoke of? Or are you going to know internally, that when you encounter those storms in your life, the best place to go is the church. Verse six to nine, David writes, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. When I'm at work and I've got my laptop up and I'm in my Outlook, one of the first things I'll do in every day is I'll check my calendar, what meetings have I got scheduled that day that I don't wanna forget, what emails are waiting for me in my inbox. Some I can kind of delete and ignore, others, I have giant red flags attached to them, and many lines in bold. And I think, okay, I've got to reread this. I've got to really focus. And there are also times in my own life when I've sent emails out in such a haze and such a rush. i send, and then someone's here, replied, "You forgot to attach the file, James." <laughs> right, resend. I will know that I need to reread, that I need to carefully spend time making sure it's correct. And here David mentions the word peace three separate times in four verses. Did any of you count it as you read? Four verses, three times. And along with the word peace, he said the word prosperity and security. And he does so to hammer home the point. And it's a trick used in the Bible all throughout, from cover to cover, When the authors of the text want to hammer home a message to the readers, they will repeat something three times. It was a special kind of significant message they were imparting. And likewise in Revelation, the angels say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. It was to really hammer home. And David here is saying peace, real peace is found when you go to the house of the Lord and you encounter the living God. And for David, he talks about Jerusalem because for him, in his time, it was the place that was special for him to go and encounter the living God. And Jerusalem was the capital city. So it probably had amazing trade routes, the best architecture, all the kind of wealth and infrastructure built into making Jerusalem the city of Israel. But that wasn't what made it special to David. It was that he knew he and those around him in his life and anyone else who wanted to could say, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are in Jerusalem's gates. And I wish, I hope and I pray that every Sunday we wake up and no matter our circumstances, we look ahead and we go, let's go to the house of the Lord. And as we walk through that door, past the welcome team who greet us, and into the building that is St. John's, we fill it with the church, and that church meets with the living God. When I was in my late teens, just around 18, 19, maybe a little bit younger, I was going for a stormy season of my own. For a variety of reasons, I found myself not attending church regularly, two, three months, specifically kind of, I was always too busy. I was at work or an event, I was specifically not going. And then one Sunday afternoon I came home, I locked, you know, sat down, and my mother greeted me from out of the kitchen, she kind of peered, peered around the door, and said, oh, James, it's nice to see you. Is anything happening at church tonight? She asked me. And I kind of went, "No," <sighs> lying, because there was And she went, okay, fair enough, and carried on with her day. And I sat there, convinced her, I've got away with it. And then, all of a sudden, this knot of guilt twisted in my stomach in a way I had never really experienced before about not going to church. And so I kind of did that sheepish, oh, I've just remembered line. Oh, mum, I've just, oh, actually, they're, they're, I've just remembered. There is something on tonight. Could I go? Would you take me? So she said, yes, of course, let me just tidy up, Go grab my bag, grab the keys, we'll go. So it was about a 10, 15 minute journey up the road. And I was aware that all my friends in church who I had not really seen and kind of been doing a good job of ignoring, they were all gonna be there. And I would have to walk in. And so, so self-conscious, so focused on my own self, I was like, oh, what are they gonna do? What are they gonna say? What are they gonna think when I return? And so my mum parked up, she dropped me off. She said, I'll see you at home later. Checking, I'd get a lift from someone else, and I walked up to the front door, and there's nerves continuing to grow and boil, bubble up, and I walked through that door into the church where all my friends were and all the kind of congregation, and all they did was smile at me, hug me, and say how much they'd missed me. And throughout the service, I was worshipping, I was listening. And then in the response, I stood up and I walked to the front and we had an open time for response. And I exclaimed that in all the time I'd been away, I knew it was wrong and I was nervous to come back. But during the worship, I had clearly heard, welcome home. In my, in my head from the Lord. I had come home. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. When we go through storms of life, the ones that the disciples went through, that Jesus didn't calm, didn't stop, but was in fact in the midst of it with us. We can choose to focus our eyes on him, press into his presence and meet with the living God. And when we have those moments in our lives that are almost like spiritual weights placed around our necks, dragging us down and stealing our joy, may I encourage you and remind you That while life doesn't magically become easier when you become a Christian and choose to follow the Lord, it does become more bearable when you take joy in the fact that there are those around you in your life who are encouraging you to meet with the living God and encounter His presence. Let's go to the house of the Lord. And when this life comes to an end, and we enter eternity with God, and we enter the new Jerusalem, Jesus reminds us in Revelation 21, what an eternal life in his presence will be. And as the band come back up, I'll just finish with this. And I really, as I was studying, kind of I could have read the entire chapter, but I just wanna focus on two verses from Revelation 21, verses two to four, so three verses. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now amongst the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, And God himself will be there with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Church, who has it easier? Non-Christians or Christians, non-religious people, religious people. We all go through storms but we can all choose how we respond. And this morning, as the band begin to lead us in a song, I would love us to continue that choice we made at the beginning of the service and find joy in the house of the Lord. Let us encourage one another, let us pray for one another. Let us spend time afterwards with tea and coffee, encouraging one another, learning each other's lives, coming alongside one another. But before that, let us draw our eyes to the Lord, enter into his presence, and choose to find joy in worshiping him this morning. Psalm 122 verse one, I rejoiced because they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Church, let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you alone are the saving grace in our life, that you can take the darkest moment and bring light into it. And that darkness will tremble and submit to you because you alone have authority over all things in this life and in the next. And I pray for the people at St. John's that you would draw close to them as they draw close to you, and that you would equip all of them with your spirit, so that they would use their gifts and the fruits of your spirit to show your love to everyone whom they meet. And I pray, Lord, that we would encourage one another to find joy in entering into the house of the Lord. Amen.